0: Welcome to Lakeside Church's Message Podcast. Our prayer is that you fall in love with Jesus, find of family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Let's join the message already in progress. All right, in the book of 1 John, we are um, in chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, if you want to turn to 1 John chapter 4, and we um, are going to start in verse 7. So First John chapter 4, verse 7. That will be on the screen in a few minutes. But let's pray and let's just invite, invite the Lord here. Lord, Lord, I say invite, but I believe you're already here. I believe you are here with us in worship. I believe that you're with us. You never leave us. You never forsake us. So Heavenly Father, may that same Spirit, that was inside John when he wrote this. May the same Spirit of God be in this room right now. May He be in me helping me to speak about it. And may He be in us helping to hear what You want us to hear and what You want us to know. Speak to us, Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Chapter 4, verse 7. Um, the, the rest of chapter 4, and we might get through the whole thing, John kind of changes gears. Remember, this is a Near Eastern thought. He's not like Paul necessarily. He's not logical line upon line, um, but he is logical in a different way. And so he's going to circle back around to the love of God. He already talked about that in chapter 3, but he, wanna, he wants to make sure we get it, that we understand the love of God so in verse 7 he says beloved let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love He didn't pull any punches there guys he said, you know what, let us, he's writing to believers, so if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you are part of the body of Christ, he's saying we have to love each other. And he gives us the reason why, he says, because love is from God. You, you, you want to be full of the Spirit, well then you should be full of love. We should be overflowing and just expressing that. And then he makes a couple claims. He says, if you've loved, you've been born of God. And you know him. When we love, like something happens inside of us that causes us to love. Like, at least me. Some of y'all might be nicer than I am. but, But I need the spirit of God inside of me to help me to love. And it's this idea that we're born of God, that it's, it's not something that comes naturally. You can look at a little kid, and, and I have five, and some of you all have a bunch too, and even at an early age, like love doesn't come easy. They don't want to share their toys. In fact, they'll phone, they want their brother's toys, they want the fork out of the drawer, like they want everything. Like it's a we are born in a very selfish state because of sin. But when we place our faith in Christ and we become born again, we get a brand new outlook. Verse 8, he says, if you don't love, you don't know God. That's hard. Like, if we're not loving people, then we don't even know him. And he says, why? He says, because God is love. Like, that's the very nature of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, um, that's where Paul talks about love. And if God is love, if we go to verse 4 of chapter 13... It says love is patient, love is kind. God is patient. God is kind. Love doesn't envy or boast. God doesn't get envious of us or anyone else. And he doesn't have to brag. God's not arrogant. God's not rude. If you're a rude, arrogant person, which I can definitely be then you're not reflecting the love of God it does not insist on its own way it is not irritable or resentful when you're irritable or resentful you're not walking in the love of God it does not rejoice at wrongdoing but rejoices with the truth Love bears all things, or God bears all things, believes all things, and hopes all things, and endures all things. That verse seven up there, I want you to realize, like this is the kind of love that God has for us. Not doing bear, He bears with us. He sticks with us. He puts up with us. He doesn't walk away. It's funny when I talk to some people and they get upset with somebody. That's one of the first things that goes. They're like, they're just unbearable. I don't want to have anything to do with them. I'm I'm blocking them. I'm, I'm turning, getting off of their socials. I'm ignoring them. I'm just getting away from them. God doesn't do that. He sits there when we're unbearable and he stays with us. He believes all things. Do you know God believes the best about us? He believes that we can really change and we can really be transformed and we can really be what his word calls us to be. He believes that about you. He believes that about me, and that's a miracle. He hopes all things. He's constantly, and it's weird to think That he doesn't insist on his own way, but he's hoping that we would just yield to the will of God and become those people that he wants us to be like he's hoping and he's enduring with us until that day comes. That's the same love that John is talking about. When he says in verse 7 of John chapter, 1 John chapter 4, let us love one another, he's talking about that. He's asking that we would bear with each other and, and, and hope for each other and believe for each other and be patient with each other and be kind to each other and not be arrogant and not be boastful, to not be irritated. Like, that's a big ask have that happen if we're born of God, because people are irritating. All right, you know that's true. I was irritated yesterday. I was in, um, we went to Costco. God, that was horrible. We needed to pick up a few things. There was like 5,000 people in this store. In the same aisle, my wife said. And of course, we take the kids, so we're going to eat the snacks, okay? Like, that's the highlight of going to Costco. We're waiting in line for the snacks, putting up with the crowds, and people are walking by saying, a member has to get through, a member has to get through. I'm like, we're all members. Give it up. It was irritating. But yet God calls me to love that person. I can picture her right now, her face, her haircut, her shopping cart, and her clothes. But even that person, God is saying, Chris, love that person. Because you've been just as arrogant. You've been just as irritating. You've been just as entitled. And I love you. Verse 9, he says, In this... In this, so he's about to show us where we can see the love of God, because in this, the love of God was made manifest. That word, if you look it up, it means revealed, made clear, made known. It also has a little bit of a root to be like lightened up or gleaming or shining. This is the shining, bright love of God. And what is it? That God sent his son into the world, into a place that didn't want him, into a place that would reject him and kill him. God sent his son into the world, not because the world wanted Christ, but because God loves the same world, because God has called us to love said this is when God's love was made manifest this is the pinnacle the revealing the gleaming the gleaming love of God that God sent his son into the world so that we might live through him God is calling us to come alive to be born again and come alive and be filled with that love verse 10 in this love I'm sorry In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins or the payment for our sins. When is love most manifest in us? It's not when we love the lovable people. If you're loving somebody who is lovable, that's easy. It's when you choose to and actually do love someone who doesn't love you, who can't do anything for you, just like we couldn't do anything for God. This is love. Verse 11, beloved, I want you to remember your love deeply. He's bearing with you and hoping for you and believing in you and patient with you and kind to you. You are the beloved of God. If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Like, we're called to reflect it, to share it, to show it, to be an example of it. Like, that's what this is about. It's funny how I've been a, a pastor... 23 years now, been working in churches almost my, more than I've not been working in churches. It's funny how there's times when believers they want to mature, they want to grow, and then they become an expert on something that doesn't matter. Do you know how many people, how many classes, how many now you can how many books I've been given that have nothing to do with love? Now you can read those. But have you figured love out yet? Are you a loving person? If not, let's just sit here for a little bit. Let's sit here and learn what it is to be patient and kind and gracious before we memorize every feast in the Old Testament. Not that you can't memorize those. But where's your love? Verse 11, if God so loved us, we ought to we should. It's an expectation. God is being clear, like this is what he wants. Verse 12, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Like even though, who felt God this morning? Did you feel God's presence? Did you feel his love? Chances are you didn't see him but you got that person next to you, that person behind you, you can see that person. Sometimes you might not like what you see because they're just as unlovable as we are. They need to be bared with and believed in, hoped for and been patient with. Now I look around and you all look pretty awesome, but none of us see If we can't love the people we see, let's stop pretending that we're really loving God. Verse 13. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us. You want to know how you're full of God? It's not because you raised your hands during worship. It's not because you felt a little like tingle down your spine when they sang that one song. It's not cuz you have the biggest Bible. It's not even because you've come to church like twice this month, when most people don't. God's presence, it's when you know you're walking with God, and He in us. That's how you know that God is with you. It says, because He has given us of His Spirit. Paul talks about the love of God in the book of Romans being poured out into our hearts. Like the Spirit of God reveals what Christ did on the cross and and why it matters. And that when he was hanging there, like he was hanging there for me. I know that. That blood was shed for me. Like I deserved what he got. And when, when, when the Spirit of God reveals that, then God's love becomes more real in my life But then by default, I become more patient because I remember the price that was paid for me. I remember the blood that was shed because of my sin. Verse 14, and we have seen and we testify. Testifying, give words to it, that the Father sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Everybody needs to know. We testify. That's so why we did that 15-second 15 15 testimony. I'm not trying to put a burden on you, but like I know what happened. I know Jesus died. I know that blood was shed for me, and I know that my sin is covered, and he is resurrected. And that means something to me. And I have to be a part of letting other peoples know that. The Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Verse 15, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. That word confess, it means to concede something, to say that it's factual, to say that it's true, to admit, to agree to it, to confirm the receipt. Tell if you read a message. Anybody like that? Come on, you should do that. If you don't do that, turn that feature on. It's great because as soon as you read it, they're expecting an instant response. But we need to give God the red receipt that we heard this, that we understand that His Son came for us. We need to confess it to acknowledge it that Jesus is the Son of God. And when we admit it, when we confirm it's true, when we give receipt, man, God abides in us. Because you realize that what happened on the cross wasn't just something that impacted 2,000 years ago, but today that brings you access to the love of God. God abides in him and he in God. Verse 16, so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. Do you know it? Do you believe it? God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. He's saying it over and over and over again because that's the life we should live. We should live a life abiding in that love, like full of and expressing it. Verse 17, by this is the love of God perfected by confessing, by acknowledging what Jesus did. And in problem, maybe it's because your eyes aren't on the cross. Maybe it's because you don't know the love that was freely given to you that you didn't deserve. Because the first thing you say when you love that person, we can all love probably the people at your table or the person right next to you. You're like, I can love that person. But at the other table, ugh. But when we confess him, admit that we receive some love we didn't deserve, love becomes easier. By this is the See, we can have confidence that when Jesus comes back, that's a good thing for us. The world will be restored. Our bodies will be made new. And we don't know exactly what we'll be like, but we'll be like him. That's what Paul says. And it will be good we have confidence. We're not afraid. When we say Jesus is coming back, that's a good thing for us because all will be made right and we will partake in that so we can have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so we are. Can you imagine that John wrote that and he meant that? John had lived with Jesus, ate with Jesus, reclined on Jesus, fished with Jesus, preached with Jesus, and he can say, as he is, so we are. He's abiding in us like he's changed us. We are different. Verse 18, there is no fear in love. If you're walking in fear or anxiety, A a, a good thing to remember, not only loves you, and what you're worried about, not only can he take care of it, but he wants to because he loves you. There's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. There's no fear. This is speaking specifically about the day of judgment and a little bit about fear in general, but love casts out fear. What do you have to be afraid of if the creator of the universe loves you so much that he gave you his son? That's not going to hold anything back, because I ain't giving any of you my son. I'm not that much like God. But if I was, then you could pretty be assured that I'd give you the shirt off my back. So if God is going to give you his son, don't be afraid. He's not holding anything back. Fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. If you're fearing punishment, you don't understand God's love. You don't understand the cross paid the price. You just don't get it. So get it. Hear it. Believe it. Receive it. And confirm receipt. Receipt. Verse 19, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. If you walk out of here with anything, he is summing up everything he just said. We love because he first loved us. Why do we love? Because we were loved by him. That's the only way that it happens. And if you're not loving, don't try to focus on love. Focus on the fact that he loved you first. That first, not only does it mean first in order, like if you would say first, second, third, but it also means preeminent or prominent, best, most important. His love is the best, the most important, the prominent. Not only did it happen first, but it's greater than ours. It's the first love, the supreme love. Verse 20, if anyone says that I love God, but you hate your brother, and I'll add in, or sister, I could say this, don't be mad, but you're a liar. You're lying. You're full of it. God, and hate someone, you're a liar. Ouch. Ouch. Because if you don't love your brother whom you can, um, for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, you can't love God whom you have not seen. Chew on that for a little bit. That's when the Bible says meditate. It's like the cow that just sits there and chews, you know, the cows have all those stomachs and they chew and they chew and they chew. Chew on that. Verse 21, and this is his commandment that we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. If that pressed on you, if you thought, man, Chris, you're a jerk, that wasn't very loving that you just called me a liar, First, realize it was the Bible and not me. And second of all, if you're a liar today and if you are like getting pressed on and saying, man, I haven't been loving, I have good news for you. God loves you anyway. He didn't love you when you were perfect. He loves you at all times from when you were messed up and hard to love, irritable, um, impatient, rude, arrogant. He loves you then, and he loves you now. So this is his commandment. So if his commandment is whoever loves God must also love his brother, how does it happen? Put verse 19 on the screen, please. Well, we love because he first loved us. if you're having a hard time loving someone, maybe you're not understanding how deeply God loves you and how deeply He cares. And what He did, the cross, shows us us that He can save us. He's able to save us. In fact, that's what we wrote on our Easter invitations. There's some of these on the back table says, you're invited. We'd love for you to come join us as we celebrate Jesus. Jesus' death shows us that God desires to save us. Jesus' resurrection proves that he is able to save us. Would you bow your heads just for a moment? Would you close your eyes? right now if, if maybe the word challenged you because I hope you realize I was just reading the book and you realize there's some areas in your life that you've not been very loving in. There's some people, maybe a spouse, a sister, a co-worker, a neighbor that you have not shown the love of God to. If you realize that's the case this morning, the two things I would encourage you to do, one is admit that and say, yeah, God, I haven't been very loving, I'm sorry. And the second thing is to put your eyes on the cross and realize that his love is immeasurable. His love is great. Is there anybody by the show of hands you can just admit, man, I haven't been loving like I should. Just put your hand up, just admit, say, that's me. Now, would you just say, God, you're sorry? And would you just turn your eyes to Jesus? Would you just look at his wondrous grace at the cross? And realize that when that blood was coming out, it was to pay for these sins to All things about you. He's for you. You can be different. And he's for you. Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your forgiveness. Forgive us in those areas that we've not been loving, not been kind, not been patient. Forgive us those times that we've been rude Forgive us for when we've been arrogant. Forgive us for when we've insisted on our own way. Forgive us when we've given up on people. Forgive us for when we we lost hope or we lost faith. Lord, some situations are very difficult, and it can only take your grace and your spirit to help us to love like you want us to love. So reveal your son to us clearly. Help us to see him on that cross. To see how that blood was shed for us. Lord, we admit it. We confess we needed that. We need your grace. We confirm receipt, we've heard you. That you love us. Now may we love Because you first loved us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Before we get into the hangout, we are going to celebrate communion. Hey guys, I'm Bob.